I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 37 of The, the Faith Share, where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I tackle the topic of revival and try to make clear what it means. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. So, Jesse, this is, I think, our first super remote. <laughs> our transnational. Trans- <laughs> you are in Washington. I am in New York um, and uh, visiting my mother in law. And uh, yeah, visiting a whole bunch of people. But it's Friday. It's the Faith Chair, and we are here. We're going to do it. Uh, rain or shine, snow or fleet, different different states, <laughs> different <laughs> continents, different time zones. Faith Chair is coming at you. Um, well, what, what you guys up to? How's the week been going so far? Um, good, yeah. Nothing really, uh, nothing new. Just, uh, you know, continuing on. Did y'all just come back from vacation? No, no. We uh, we just went up to Ocean Shores for the day on Sunday after church uh, for for Russell's birthday. Oh, nice. Just hung out with siblings up there for, for a bit. Nice. And uh, we, uh, we're plan- we were planning a vacation for the same time we usually go we usually take our two weeks of vacation that we get every year right around our anniversary in august and uh, but now it's like i'm realizing that what we had planned i'm literally gonna have to like check like right before we leave to find out whether we can even travel because we're gonna go to we're gonna go to montana see my brother yeah and uh and his wife uh and then go down to yellowstone uh, cut down, probably spend a night in Salt Lake and then Reno before we hit San Francisco, spend some time with Jen's family and come back up through Bend, uh, where, uh, that's where I'm from. That's where we had our anniversary last year. And then shortly after we came back from our anniversary, I found out that my best friend when I was a kid lived there. So we're going to stop in and see him and catch up and then, and then head back. But we're crossing a lot of States and some States that are hot spots right now. And so, Arizona. The tra- Who knows what the travel restrictions are going to be? Yeah. So <laughs> we heard from some friends of ours that, like, when they made their cross country trek, they literally, as they were approaching each border, they called the state patrol of the state they're about to go into and find out if we, if you know, are we going to get stopped, you know, either entering or exiting into the next state. And I was like, that's a whole mess. But yeah, they're not really stopping people like. We when we got off the plane, uh, there's just signs everywhere. You know, make sure you keep your. You know, please wear a mask. No entry without mask. Um, and uh, like we've been, to, I've been to several different places since I've been back in New York. You know, two different, th- uh, three different supermarkets. Um, we had a. Um, uh, I went to um, visit a karate school, the karate school that I used to train at. And uh, they have one entrance now 
and they're only taking like one one to two people at a time and one of the instructors that I used to train with was there and he came outside, his mask was on, everybody in there had a, had a mask on, the parents had to wait outside. Normally, the parents were in, excuse me, they have a, a waiting room where the parents can sit and wait for the kids to be done and stuff, but all the parents were in their cars waiting for the kids. So, you know, they're taking precautions that way, but um, uh, the, rental, the rental that we had had Virginia license plates nobody we didn't get stopped or anything like that yeah yeah um yeah i don't know how common or widespread it was but i have heard that there were some states i think when we were in heavier lockdowns yeah which which unfortunately a lot of states are going back to now so that's yeah. where you know what's it going to look like come the end of august we don't know yeah um is if if this upward curve keeps happening a lot of states go back to the the hardcore initial lockdowns yeah. Did I tell you what happened when we went to the Grand Canyon? Apparently, there were people who got stopped and like, oh, you know, you came out of this state into this state. You have to stay here for two weeks before they're going to let you go back into Oh, shoot. That state. Did we tell you what happened when we went to Grand Canyon? Uh, I don't think so. So we get to Grand Canyon. We, we called the day before. They were like, yes, we're open. We wanted to make sure they were open. We get there, and they have the parking lot like it's like a maze. They got all these cones directing you to certain spaces, and then you get to these two park rangers, and you got to stop at the park rangers. And the park, the guy was like, "Hey, thanks for coming today. Um, you guys, you're here. Did you already pay? You, you, you know, you pay for your tickets and all stuff like that." We're like, "Sure." And he, we showed him our tickets. He was like, "Cool." The other reason why we stopped you is because Arizona is a hot spot. And uh, we didn't know that. <laughs> just like, what? So he's like, we have to get your email and we have to take your temperature before you go in. He said, the reason why we need your email is because if your temperature um, is, uh, is abnormal, we'll send you an email to let you know so you can get tested in your, in your home state. Yeah. So um, It's like, how are you going to take my temperature? It's 110 degrees here. Right. <laughs> it's already hell outside what's you doing but um but yeah i hope you guys get to do that that would be um that'd be dope yeah i was i was kind of like oh we could dip down and hit the grand can too but i was like okay let me not try to pack too many things into one road trip <laughs> like the grand can is not going anywhere we can see that another time it is one of those but yellowstone like the grand canyon is unbelievable if you never have you ever been to yellowstone no it's no. it's unreal it yeah. is unreal. Yeah. It's Although apparently they're having a lot of animal attacks. <sighs> and the, I guess the, the experts or whatever, they think it's because, because there was no visitors through the spring in the early summer. The animals, a lot of the animals, unfortunately, are kind of quasi-domesticated in the sense that they get used to relying on all the garbage. and Right, right, right. That, that food uh, generated by the, the visitors. So now, now that people are finally able to come back, the animals are a little aggressive. And so apparently there's been, there's been a number of bear attacks um, as Jeez. well as a few other things. So, <laughs> so, Stay in your car. That's all I'm saying. Right, exactly. Stay. Stay in your car. Stay in your car. When we went, people were like, there's signs before you get in the park, and the rangers will tell you, if you see animals on the side of the road, you can get out and take pictures, but do not approach them. Why? Why are people doing the exact opposite? 
of what there's of what the park rangers say. Yeah. People walk right up to the animals. Oh, we're gonna get a closer picture. That's a seven thousand pound bison. Back up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, somebody we were talking with somebody else, and they said, yeah, they're like, yeah, we went and like it was like this person kept trying to get their kid to go closer to this giant moose. You know what? I couldn't fit him in the in the frame of. Like that music killed a little child in like five seconds. Yeah, maybe just swoops him with them horns. People are nutty. Yo, so what? What are we going to get into today? Um, so I uh, I saw a, a interesting and provocative question uh, posted recently that's had had me thinking, and it's come up kind of. Um, indirectly in some other conversations I've been having yeah. too, just about everything that's happening and, and politics and, and all this different kind of stuff. And, and the, the question was, uh, you know, is, and it was, it was, uh, the question was posted on top of a picture of, of some of the, you know, uh, protests and um, just, just the, some images of the, the activism and the, the energy and the cries for justice that are happening right now. And the question was, um, is, is this the revival that the church has been praying for? Like, are we seeing it right now and not understanding what it is? Hmm. And, you know, that really got me thinking. And, and I think, uh, you know, I want to discuss that, discuss that with you and some of the other aspects of everything that's going on in our nation right now, where we could look at it through that lens. Like is, you know, we understand that, it's not necessarily God that did these things, but he right. obviously allowed these things to happen. Right. And the Bible says that he works good out of every situation. So, you know, what is, what is his, what is his purpose? What is his plan? What is the good that he's trying to work? Um, how is he using all of this stuff? Um, and are we missing that in our, our need to reject a lot of this stuff for various reasons? Are we right. missing God's plan in it? Right. Um, I guess is really the like what I want to get into. Like, how how can we see God's plan at work in a lot of what's happening um, in, in our nation and in the church right now? That's a great question. Um, my knee jerk response is, uh, I I think the same thing happened. History. This is not new, right? This Jesus saw this when he came to Earth, like it was. Um, uh, everything that he came to do was was to revive something. He came to bring he he came to bring uh, reawakening. One of the definitions I'm reading: reawakening of religious fervor, especially by means of a series of evangelistic um, meetings. That's one of the definitions. But the main definition of revival is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. So Jesus literally came, he literally came to do that, to improve, to improve. And he was met with, I think the same, I believe the same opposition that, that, um, that again, God is being met with now with what, with what he's wanting to do with the, um, with the heightened awareness of systemic racism and the heightened now awareness of how Americans, as well as uh, believers, Christ following Americans, 
really just want their own way. Um, yeah. And, and it's all about <laughs> their personal glory um, and their personal satisfaction. So um, if we're not, as a church, making an improvement on, on, on something, but we just, like many people are saying, going back to the norm, if we're going back to how it used to be, then it's not a revival. Right. right. Like, we're not having a revival. And I think yeah. people are missing it because they want so much for it to go back to how it used yeah. to be. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's one of those things, like, how, how, can we, <laughs> how can we think that God's purpose and plan is for us to go back to exactly how things were if he's allowing this much shaking. Right. Obviously right. he wants something to change and that, right. that should be what we should be focused on. What is right. it that he wants to change? Yeah. Like, you know, what, what is he trying to, and again, it's, it's not, uh, it's not geopolitical. Um, it's not any, you know, it's, it's, he's concerned with his people in the church Yeah. That's and, true. and, and the impact of the gospel in the world. Yeah. So any shaking that comes, the shaking that's happening right now, all this yeah. crazy chaos, whether whether people believe that God is in control of everything. And again, if you're on that if you're on that fence or you don't understand, you've never really asked that question, go to episode two of the podcast, we get into that. Or you think that it's you know, this, you know, it's, this is all an attack of the, of the enemy. Well, the book of Job shows us that even an attack of the enemy has to come kind of with essentially the permission of God, God. especially against right. his people. So that means right. that he has to, under, he has to have purpose and plan. Right. He's, he's right. going to do something with this, that the, even if it's the enemy, the enemy doesn't understand just like Jesus. If the enemy understood what the ultimate plan was, he never would have killed Jesus. He would have like told it, he would have got all his people, get away from this dude, let him live. Because as long as he lives, then, then this ultimate salvation can't occur. And, and, you know, he brought about his own demise because he didn't understand God's ultimate purposes and plans in it. And so, yeah, just the, the wanting to get back to the status quo is, is to sweep aside all of this as some kind of accident some kind of aberration, some kind of outlier that was never supposed to happen, um, which which doesn't jive with either mindset. Mm. The mindset that God is in control of everything or that he works good out of everything. Right. Neither one allows for the sense that all this would happen just for us to go back to everything as right. it already, already was. So right. the question is like, what what is supposed to change? What is the revival that's supposed to come out of this? And I think one of the things that I see in, and, uh, and, and, you know, and again, like the pictures that this question was posted on was referencing specifically kind of the uh, uh, uprising, especially of the younger generation, yeah. passionate response for justice to the point of protesting and, and all this kind of stuff. And obviously people have their own negative connotations and reactions to the protests and the riots and, and all that kind of stuff. But to me, the thing that, that I saw uh, more deeply than that is go past the surface issue and go into, you're seeing an uprising of young people passionate about uh, change. Right. And I think along with that in, in, in this cry for r- racial reconciliation and for um, finally bringing change to these systems of oppression and abuse and violence is this understanding that 
that perhaps there is something that's fundamentally broken in, in the base of humanity. And I think when you combine those two things, there's an incredible opportunity for the gospel to reach a generation that by and large we had been losing. And, and that's, I think, where the opportunity for act, like revival uh, comes into where there's now, you know, and I feel like the church is missing it. We're missing yeah. it because we're fighting against, we're, we're fighting against the passion. We're fighting against this young, we're missing the fact that this is how this younger generation thinks and feels about things. And because we want to hold our status quo, which generally serves the mindset and the lifestyle of an older generation, right? We're we're we're, we're sacrificing the opportunity to reach the next generation, right? right. And, and we're going to feel that effect, right, in the next 20, 30, 40 years, right? Um, and and but I also think there's an opportunity to 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 spark an incredible uh, um, revival of the gospel. Yeah. In this generation because they're they're so ready for some they're so ready for truth they're so ready for justice they're so ready for a message of love mm-hmm. and compassion and forgiveness they're so ready because now they understand that uh, people can pretend to be good and yet there's still something yes. broken at the base of it and, yes. and the idea that god is meant to fix that has an opportunity to penetrate when it didn't have an opportunity to penetrate yeah. before um, you you hit the nail on the head when you said people are ready to hear the message of the gospel. Their their hearts their hearts are ready, and we can miss the opportunity by saying, "Oh, they're ready to come to church. They're ready uh, for uh, church the way we used to have it." You, you you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can't have a revival like that. The the crazy thing, I preached the message. Uh, once about worship and uh, I think we talked about this but um, I started off with defining the word recalculate and uh, and and recalculating what it means to to recalculate and I and I and I said to the folks that I was speaking to I was like hey we need we need to recalculate how we think about worship and the word recalculate literally means to add new data you have yeah. to add new data to the problem so that you can get a different answer. You can't recalculate if you're using the same old data because you'll get yeah. the same answer out of the equation. So um, the same thing with revival. We can't take people from something that God is obviously trying to change, just like you were saying, and take them back to how it was because nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change, and people are ripe. The harvest is literally ripe right now because everyone's heart is open for for that love. They're open for the, for justice. Where we, you and I both know that real love, real justice, real peace only comes in the person of Jesus Christ and knowing Him. Um, and uh, it's funny. I was just uh, the meeting I was just at prior to this. <laughs> My friend was telling me about her, you know, her and her husband are going to counseling right now. And we had this long, long conversation. And there were points where she and I were both crying. And the Holy and she said, right before I left, she said, you know what? I knew that you coming over here was going to bring me hope. I knew that I, and she's not a believer. She's like, I knew that I was going to find hope 
for my husband and I by you coming over here. And I took, it was like the Holy Spirit said, this is, this is the opportunity. This is it right now. Out of that entire two and a half hours we were there, he was like, this, this is the opportunity right now. The heart is ready. Before I left, I grabbed her hand and I said, I want you to know something. I have to say this. Any good, anything that you think is good in me or about me, it's not me. It's God. Yeah. And he wants you to know that he cares immensely about your situation and about you. So I said that to say that is the correct response in a time that we're in right now to point people back to God, point people back to Jesus instead of pointing them to the way we do church, which is what yeah. will happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or, oh. or yeah, like we said, or our opinions or right. politics. We can't um, point them to yeah, that. It's just like, yeah, it's interesting because a while ago, um, I had this uh, conversation with, um, I don't even remember who it was now at this point because it was a while ago. Um, but it was, it was in the context of like, you know, the, you know, the general feeling about, you know, uh, Seattle and, and especially the Northwest, you know, that we are, although I don't think Washington's number one anymore, that the Northwest is the, yeah. the least church region, yeah. um, and, and the, the most, uh, anti-religion and faith region, um, of the United States and the Northeast and in, in, in the midst of praying about that. Um, again, I don't even remember exactly how it went down, but I don't remember if it was God who spoke to me about it or in our conversation after press, other person said it. Um, but it was this idea that like, uh, God was saying, don't, don't lose hope because w where you see hopelessness, mm -hmm. you have to realize that there's an opportunity for incredible revival. And That's what, right. he, what he was speaking to us was, he's like, yes, the Northwest has rejected religion to a great degree, rejected Christianity to a great degree. He's like, but... The other thing that is prevalent in the Northwest is that you have um, a highly educated people who yeah. have a really strong passion for justice, mm -hmm. for caring for the needy, and for uh, and for ultimately for truth. And there it is. So if, if we believe and trust that the word of God is the truth, then if you have if you have a population that's passionate about finding the truth, then there's an opportunity there mm -hmm. that when the truth comes to light for incredible revival. Yeah, because there it's just like you know, if you seek me, you will find me. Yeah, and it may take a while, but if someone is honestly seeking truth, then we have to trust that the Word of God and, and that God and Jesus Himself, who is the truth, is powerful enough and authentic enough and present enough. Yeah, um, that eventually they're going to stumble upon that truth and it's going to change their lives. And I think I think that's kind of the same dynamic that's happening right now, where we have we have a. Uh, uh, an environment from 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 the politics to uh, to the um, racial justice uh, movement mm -hmm. to all, you know all of this uh, upheaval that's happening right now, and you have you have really an entire generation. I mean, you can go look at whatever stats you want. Uh, the the level of engagement with these things for people under the age of thirty is an incredibly high percentage. Yep. So you have an entire several, you know, couple of generations, every kind of from from mid millennials down, who are are primed, really primed in their yep. hearts and in their minds to to uh, engage in in faith 
Um, but it can't be the faith that looks like their their mama's and their grandmama's faith. Bro. Like it it has to be it has to be an active faith. It has to yeah. be a powerful faith. It has to be the faith that we see in the Bible. Yeah. They're, they're looking for they're looking for a Christian a Christian, a Christianity, a church, a faith that looks like the book of Acts. That's right. That's right. That's, that's and they don't even is. know it. They don't even know it. But that's yeah, what they're they, looking for. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. Yep. That's what they're ready to engage in. Yeah. That's the passion that God has stirred up. It's kind of like he's primed the pump. And that's yep. what did Jesus say? He said the 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 uh, uh, the harvest is ready. He's primed the harvest for yep. us. Um, but we can't go back to to doing things the way that we were. You know, we can't go back to um, engaging Yo. this generation the way that we were before. We have to we have to accept the fact that in a lot of ways we were failing. Yeah, and 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 like we've been talking about for several episodes now, we have to pursue God and the Holy Spirit's guidance. Is what is the change that is? What what are you wanting to shift in your church and in your people? Yeah. I want to engage in that God so that we can yeah. come out on the other side of this more equipped and better prepared and uh, um, and more fully in your purpose and your plan and your will yeah. to reach the world as it exists today. We can't pretend that it exists in the reality. Even four years ago, nope. things have changed. The world has changed. People's conceptualization of things has changed. Um, people's attitudes towards the thing, the old things, have changed. Like this is a, a, a we're very much stepping into a season where I think there's just a lot of the old mm-hmm. is going to pass away, and and behold, all yeah. things are made new. Like yeah. why does that? If that applies to individual people, then at some point it's going to apply to society at large right. as well. Shoot, like, it applies to technology right now. It, there are 13 year 12 year olds that are like, my iPhone's too old. I need a new one. Why is that? <laughs> what? What do you like if they know what old is and what new is, the difference between old and new, the benefits between new as opposed to old in a lot of in a lot of circumstances, why can't we understand? Yeah. There's a new I was in that same conversation uh with with this lady and, and her daughter, I was talking about how um, the, the me being on, I was telling about my resignation and everything, and, and me being on stage is not an accurate represent, representation of my faith walk because I look right. perfect on stage. You know what I'm saying? With the lighting, with the smoke, anybody standing up there looks perfect. We can paint a picture of... Uh, a filtered perfect life you know what i'm saying so i said you can't really you really have no idea if what i'm singing what i'm speaking about is actually what i'm living just by seeing me on stage but we we've been portraying that that is that's the pinnacle of uh a faith walk you get to now disseminate information from a platform to to the lesser the lesser Christians, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, I think the generation now that demographic 30 and under that are like, yo, systemic racism is real. I was a part of it. My family was a part of it. How can I be a, how can I be a champion of, uh, of ending it and making more people aware of it? They're like, they're the same people that are like, yo, I'm not trying to go to church if it's going to be like that. If it's yeah. going to be a show, if the if the pastor is always trying to make himself look like, or herself look like, they know everything or they got it together, 
you know what I'm saying? And and uh, one of the things Tim Keller said, uh, I just heard him in a podcast with Kerry uh, Newhoff. Um, he was talking about how, aren't you glad I didn't say Andy Stanley? It sounds like a knock-knock <laughs> uh, joke. Um, <laughs> he was saying how um, he believes the church of the future is going to be one where there's not this one central person. Yeah. Anymore, and I've been hearing a lot of, a lot of pastors say that, um, a lot of people say that, where it's not going to be one central person anymore, because that one central person model was already done, and it was done perfectly, and nobody else can do it as perfect as Jesus did it. Um, so, the these those same folks that are like, you're not pulling the wool over our eyes with the systemic racism and with the uh, with the fact that I don't have to wear a mask around people. No, I want to mutual, mutually respect my brothers and sisters, even if they're of different race than me. God aside, now you put God in the picture, they're like, mm, you're fake. You're a Christian and you don't want to wear a mask? You're a Christian and you don't want to talk about Black Lives Matter? They're not having it. Yeah. So if, you're, if yeah. that's revival... Yeah, there's a sorry. There's a there's an incredible. We have to we have to recognize that there's an incredible ideological shift right now. Yeah, where where typically you know ideologies mindsets continue from generation to generation. That's why you have uh, regions of the country that have always believed a certain way and and always voted a certain way from generation to generation to generation. But I'm hearing the same thing you're hearing a lot of conversations where people. Uh, you know, 30 and younger, you yeah. know, uh, you know, kind of post millennial and on into yeah. the following generations are talking a lot about how, like, this is how my parents feel, but I, that's, that's not how I feel. Isn't this that crazy? Is, this is how, this is how my, uh, you know, I'm, I it's like, I'm realizing my parents are super racist and, and I don't even want to really like go and spend time with them anymore because, you know, and, and there's been some conversation about like, they don't, don't, don't just turn your back on on your uh, your racist relatives. Call them out about it if you got right, right, right. Give me and destroy Thanksgiving, like you know. But but it's this idea that's just like this generation is not willing to follow the the parameters and the right. guidelines and the thought processes of the generations before. That's right. And and that's something that I think the church also not only needs to recognize so that they can properly minister to these people just like paul says i come to be a servant a slave to all that i might win as many as possible but also recognize that that same dynamic is happening in the church and and needs to happen in the church that there's this uh, there's an opportunity like we've mentioned this a couple times you know pastor mike from radiant yeah this is a revealing fire it's a revealing fire he's revealing not only in society and in individuals but also in the church a lot of things that have that have not followed the model of Christ, have not followed the instruction of the of, of Scripture, mm-hmm. but have been just man-made, and they're just they just don't work anymore. In the same ways that that all of the sudden people people think this stuff is new, like the cop, the police brutality, and it's like no, it's coming to the forefront now because we yeah. have finally gotten to a point where people are not going to allow it to continue on. They're not having it, and it, you know, and there's so many things like that in our country that have that have been wrong, but they've been, they've been allowed to continue to, uh, uh, 
work for yeah. for generations yeah and and they're not going to make it to the next generation let me so ask that's, kind of, that's 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 the environment we're in right now yeah let me ask you so what is a what is it that we can do people are listening if they're they're church leaders church members on staff what can they do to move to practically move closer to 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 the actual revival that God has in mind, the actual things that God has in mind. Like what, cause, cause it's a massive, it's a massive leap, right? Yeah. How can, how can we take practical steps towards that revival, taking full advantage of what's happening? Because you quoted the scripture at the very beginning, Romans 8, 23, um, 8, 28. He uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his yeah. purpose. Yeah. Like he's using this, he orchest he's orchestrating this to be something that he can use for his glory. But we have to know what to do. Do you have like what are some practical steps that 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 we can take? Um that's a great question. I think the practical steps are going to look different based upon people's realities. Mm -hmm. You know, you got small churches versus big churches. You got urban churches versus suburban churches versus rural churches. Um, you've got ministry happening, a lot of different kinds of, kinds of, of um, realities, I guess. Yeah. And so some of it's going to look very different, but I think, I think the first thing is, I think it would behoove every ministry, every pastor to sit, take a pause, which we have an opportunity to do right now. We've talked about uh, step back and honestly break down the totality of what your ministry looks like and does. Yeah. And, and ask the question, is this biblical? If you can't find scriptures to, uh, <laughs> to support how you're doing things, uh, then, then change them. Like we need to be really honest and break it down. Uh, don't gloss over things in generalizations, yeah. but look in the details of, of every ministry of our mission statements of how yeah. we operate, how we use volunteers, how we, uh, staff, how we, uh, use our, uh, the ties and the offerings that we receive is that operating and working in a biblical standpoint. Mm. I think the other side, this that's connected to that, but, yeah. but this other thing is like, so we just, we just started a sermon series, um, at our church and we're calling it SOS and it has to do with like how, how the Bible teaches us to, to live and operate in and through, um, emergencies, tragedies, tests, yeah. trials, like the, the, yeah. the dark moments, the valleys, the, the dangerous times, all of That's that. Good. Right. Um, in the SOS moments, like how to, and, and so I, I kicked off it with the first week and, and I was looking at, you know, biblically we're actually called to embrace uh, uh we're called to embrace challenges that's right test trials tribulations we're not we're not called to just survive them right we're actually called to embrace them the bible in various places talks about running to them that's right uh, um Count it all joy when you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. It talks about having wonderful joy. Um, in Acts, it talks, I think we mentioned this last podcast, it, it talks about the, the apostles uh, being flogged. And, right. and immediately afterwards, the, re the response was they rejoiced that they were able to go through that. Mm -hmm. God called the, saw their faith as, as worthy to be able to go through that disgrace on worthy. behalf of the message of Christ. Like, 
worthy of being able to go. Through the, and, and we've we've mentioned this before. Perhaps the perhaps the worst thing that ever happened to the church was when Rome embraced it and made it a national religion. Yeah. And that ever since then, the church has operated in a fairly comfortable place in Western civilization. And that's why I think we see a drastically different operation of the church between Western yeah. culture and Eastern yeah. culture. In countries where they're persecuted for this belief, where it's dangerous to, to propagate the gospel, you see an entirely different church than right. what you see in the West. Right. We're protected, we're safe, we're comfortable. And right. I, think, I think one of the biggest things that, and I, I think the pandemic was the first kickoff, was it, is God is trying to get us to embrace the uncomfortable. Yeah. We need to we need to we need to understand that they're they're supposed to be struggle and challenges. And if right. we're spending all of our time and our messages and our teachings and our uh, organizational structures and our pay structures and everything that we do in ministry to try to maintain and create a level of comfort for people yeah. and for ourselves, emotional comfort, uh, physical comfort, whatever. Um, and we're, we're doing everything that we can because this is what Americans do. We do everything that we can to avoid, to avoid it. Uh, discomfort, to run away from the things that we fear, to, to hide from the challenges and the tests. And all that does, if you look at scripture, is produce weakness. That's a, my God. And that's what we've done. We've produced it's the exact weakness. opposite of what Paul said. It's the exact opposite of what Paul said. Exactly. The testing of your faith is going to produce patience, perseverance. Let faith, let this stuff have its perfect work. He said, and the picture that I got while you were talking was someone doing squats and their their friend spotting them mm-hmm. under that weight. Like, yo, you can do this. You can do this. I'm here. I'm here for you. They're not running from the weight. They're getting up under it and growing from the resistance that is coming from the weight being on their shoulders. But we don't do that in real life. We only do it in a gym. We sequester yeah. those growing moments to just being in the gym yeah. instead of that's our whole life. Our whole life is that. And yeah. man, you hit the no nail pain, on No head. pain, no gain. I mean, that's that's the age right. old adage, right? No pain, no right. gain. And that's completely scriptural is that the challenges are what grow our faith. The, the difficulties are what build our endurance. Um, and, and I think that's... Look at it. That's what the world is seeing now. When it sees the the dichotomy in the church, when it sees the hypocrisy, is that our faith only has enough endurance for Sunday mornings and when for everything is going our way. The moment Bye. something doesn't go Bye. our way, Bye. the moment <laughs> the I'm moment I'm leaving after that. <laughs> the moment we're we're challenged by leaders or by God to engage in our Christianity in a more dynamic way outside of Sunday morning service and Wednesday night Bible study. Um, or, you know, whatever the average, I think that's pretty much the average routine rhythm for most Christians in the United States. Wait, our, wait. our faith doesn't have endurance for that. We run oh, out. Wait, wait. I'm posting that right now because, dang <laughs> it, our faith only has enough endurance for Sunday mornings. Jeez. 
Yeah. When you break it down, when you break it, when you look at all, like all the issues, all the, all the things, and we talk about a lot of it on this podcast, the mindsets that, that have crept into Christianity in America that don't line up with scripture that really make us look bad and stupid and, and hypocritical to the world. It really boils down to the, there's a lack of endurance in our faith. Yeah. I, I was I was posting out the other day. I was like, why why is it that people refuse to wear masks because they say, oh, you know, it's it's a fear campaign, and we have not been given the spirit of fear, so I'm not going to wear a mask. But then when we start talking about defunding police, oh, guys, there's going to be there's going to be more crime. That we're, right. we're actually employing f- a right. fear against people. It's because we have there's a lack of I can believe God to protect me from this virus because I don't think it's real and I don't need to wear a mask. But I can't believe God to protect us from crime if we, you know, took find, you know money from the police and, and invested it in other parts of our society to actually help people and, and and reduce the root causes of crime, right? It's just like our faith doesn't have enough endurance. Our faith can't. It doesn't. Our faith can't uh, uh, endure past tests and trials. Our it faith doesn't. can't endure past one thing not going our way and so you see this weird you see this weird uh dichotomy um in christianity where we talk and walk and speak and live and feel one way for sunday morning for two hours but then the rest of our life does not reflect a faith in god it doesn't reflect a trust in his power it doesn't reflect a belief in the in the in in the power of the holy spirit and the gospel to change people's lives it, why it really comes down to endurance and that endurance comes down to the fact that we have we spend most of our time as americans and most of our times as western christians fleeing from trials tribulations trying to produce protection safety and comfort for ourselves and for those around us and and not embracing the test that god is trying to bring us and so we're weak it's bottom line we're weak well where can people uh, send uh, questions, comments, and statements? Because we have to end it there. You just uh, deflated the whole, <laughs> the whole joint. That that would be our shortest podcast ever. Yo, you. That's it. I mean, that's it. Revival can't come first without that practical awareness. We have to have that practical awareness that if we really want the faith yeah. that uh, and the patience and endurance that Paul talked about, we have to embrace the mess. We can't run from it. We have to get up under the heavy bar and um, walk this thing out with each other. We have to be there to spot each other. Yeah. Um, uh, but you're right. And revival, revival, has become, has, revival has never and is never going to happen in the church building. It, it, like n- not not real revival like that's that, what i was yeah. saying earlier that's god, god can god can speak right. to individuals to people who are the, his sons and daughters who go to church and so there can be a revival and i think he wants a revival in the church right now mm-hmm. but the revival that we think of in the sense of people getting saved um we 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 need to be able we need to be able to take the true gospel out of the building out of the building and, and isn't it funny how god hit set us all up to learn how to do that in some ways 
But as we get back to being able to be in person, we can do that, you know, in again, in person, physically. Wow. Again. But taking it out and meeting this new generation out on the streets where they are right now. That's right. That's meeting right. them in their protests and their marches, meeting them in their conversations, in their community organizations, meeting them with the truth of Christ in the places where they are trying to break down injustice and inequality and not only standing with them, not only fighting with them, but bringing the message of Christ to where they are and letting their passion unite with the passion for God. And no. I mean, I think if you, if you take a second in your imagination, yeah. you, you imagine uh, these young people with their global, their global reach through social media, with what? their incredible passion energy, um, with with their uh, willingness to be uh, to have ingenuity and creativity yeah. and think and work outside the box and cast off you know all uh, restraints of of status what? quo. Right. They don't care what anybody's combine doing. combine that with the Holy Spirit in their heart. Combine that with the Word of God in their heart, mind, and mouth. I think you can imagine. What, how the world could get flipped upside down to quote a Hamilton song. All right. <laughs> uh, you like the world turned upside down. People, people are ready. I've been hearing, I've heard the first, the first day I got here, people were upset. I was just in the parking lot of, of a local uh, supermarket in the parking lot. And some people that I used to go to church with here are upset that they can't be in the building. They're upset that there's no other way. But these are the same people that want revival. So I hope I hope folks heard uh, the practical step. And I'm they can't see me, but I'm picking my my skin is so dry because I've been sanitizing like a mug. I've been just like <laughs> but uh um I hope people heard what 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 you said. We have to be open to the fact that um, the thing that we want, the same thing God wants, is going to take us doing it differently than how we've done it yeah. before. And it's going to take us embracing, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's going to challenge us. It's always. going to be difficult. We're going to have to jump over obstacles. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to, what does the Bible say? You, you run through a troop and leap over a wall. Like, it's not going to just be easy. And, and, easy. and again, I think that even when a few Christians build up the courage to reach outside the wall, they yeah. confront a resistance and they get scared and they come back. Right. Because again, there's no strength. There's no endurance. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's no power to the faith. So I, I feel like the Holy Spirit just gave me, I don't get these very often, these little nuggets, yeah. these little, like, I call them like the TD Jakes, like the little nugget thing, uh, but, uh, but I got one and, and this is what it is. Come on. God wants, God wants revival and all we want is replays. You can repeat that because that was. <laughs> I can repeat that, that because that was it, that was know, the Lord doesn't usually give me that phrase, but it just came to me like God's God's trying to give us revival, and we're fighting for replays. Oh, <laughs> we just want the same thing over and over. Oh and my God! And God's trying to bring something new, and we are resisting it. Oh we my. just want the replay. We yeah. want the tried and true. We know exactly what's going to happen. Have you ever seen that movie Fifty First Dates? Uh, yes. 
You, you, rem- you remember, so she, she has this, if you haven't seen it, it's this movie, it's a romance movie about this girl who had an accident, had brain damage, and so she wakes up every day thinking it's the day, it was the day before, the day of her accident. She doesn't know that a year has passed because she loses her memory each night. And, and so they, it was her birthday or her dad's birthday. So they do, her family yeah. does the same thing every day. Every day. They go yep. and they get a pineapple because that's what they did. They come home. They, they, have, they have a tape of the football game that was, that was on that day and they rewatch it. That's right. And so this, there's, this, there's this scene where her brother's like, well, I bet you uh, you have to wash the dishes if, uh, you know, Culpepper throws it to so-and-so for the touchdown. And so that, you know, he knows what's going to happen. He's seen the video over and over and over. She doesn't because she doesn't remember it. And so, of course, that's what happens. And his dad gives him that look like, are you serious? That was real. That was real Jake's. And she's just like, wow, you're so smart. You should be a coach one day. And she goes and does the dishes because she lost the bet. And it's just like, yeah, there's a comfort in knowing what's going to happen. There's, there's a comfort and a confidence oh. when we know exactly how things are going to play out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps us stuck. That's what holds away revival because revival is yeah. messy. Revival is crazy. Revival is chaotic in a way. We don't understand. We don't know what's going to happen if we're comfortable. We don't yeah. know what's going to happen if if a bunch of people come flooding into the church tomorrow. How are our teams going to operate? How are we going to do, you know, right now, how are we going to do social justice? You know, uh, there, was a, there was a film one time. And, and, people with yeah, questions. People with, yeah, people with questions. People who, right. who want to know why have you guys done it this way or believed this way for so long right. when this is what the Bible says. You know, it's going to require repentance and uh-huh. and asking for forgiveness and humbling ourselves before people who are coming in as baby Christians and yet we're going to have to recognize how we failed in the past. Like, it, it's, it's scary and it's going to be testing and it's going to require strength and endurance from us. Yeah. And so we're much happier to just replay. Like let let's just let's keep it comfortable, and I want to keep it tried and true. I want to know exactly what's going to happen every Sunday morning, every day of my Christianity, every week, every year. It's going to be the same routine for the entirety of my Christianity, and I'm never going to be uncomfortable, and 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 I'm and I'm happy with it that way. That will never be the way that we reach the world, bro. Never. never be the way that we reach this next generation with the gospel. Um, that never. doesn't that that doesn't work for them. Yeah, <laughs> it that's doesn't scary. it doesn't jive with them. It's, it's they want something new every single day. Yeah, I, I was talking to one of the young people. I was like, "What? I don't get why." Because they be coming out with like some of the clothes and the jackets and the shoes. I'm like, it's "Why would anyone want to wear it's shoes ugly. with 57 different colors on it? Like it's it's hideous." And they're like, "It's unique," and that's all they <laughs> want. They just want something new. They want that's something. Right. Di- they want to be different. They want to stand right. out from the crowd. So they don't settle for the status quo the way we have in the past. And, 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 and just, I'm more and more convinced every day, especially even as I work with young people, there's just like the, the, the Christianity, the church, even the framework of the gospel that we've given in the past, the replay is, it's just not going to be effective in the next generation. And I think that a lot of what the last three months has been and however long this continues with the political atmosphere, with the pandemic issues, with the, uh, with the uh, racial reconciliation and justice upheaval, um, and whatever else might come up as we continue on, who knows, uh, in 2020, God is trying to get us, uh, ready to do things differently. And, and my fear in what I'm seeing from a lot of responses is that we are going to miss this. 
yes. the church as a whole is going to miss. I know there's some churches who are embracing it. I know some pastors. We have friends who are embracing it, um, who are who are doing that self examination. Right. Um, but even in some of them, I I can tell that though the self examination is going to happen, and there's going to be some understanding and revelation that's going to come of how they should do things differently that fear of how are people going to react if we do this this different is going to pull them back to the status quo. I'm so glad. And, you and said that's that. why that's why this has to be it has to be more widespread. We need yeah. the church of Christ in the United States, not the denomination, but just the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, to rise up and embrace this opportunity to change how we do things. I'm so um, glad you said that. But the challenge is that you have to, it's going to require embracing uh, a discomfort. Yeah. We, and nobody likes to do that. <laughs> well, nobody likes to do that. It's it's crazy. We we have this example all through Scripture of everything that you just said. Jesus only told Peter to go to the riverbank once to get his tax, his portion of the tax, um, to pay to Caesar. He only told him to do that once. Jesus, uh, he did multiple things in Scripture that were accounted, that were... Um, uh, yeah, accounted for us one time, but we want those things, like you said, all the time. We want them the same way all the time. I love what John Maxwell said. The same people that got you here won't be the same people that get you. The same people that got you to this level won't be the same pe people that get you to the next level. And, yeah. and it's the same mindset with this situation. The same things that we used to do. Well, that got us here won't be the, we can't do those same things to get us to the next place uh because god used it judd wilhite said we we are fine with being on the cutting edge of what no 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 he said the enemy of being on the cutting edge of what god did is holding on to that and missing what he wants to do yeah and that's exactly what we're, oh, it was awesome when he did that back 15 years ago. Let's try to get that happening. And it's, it becomes us conjuring or trying to make God do something that he's finished. He's not part in the Red Sea anymore. Yeah. Now, we can't make him do that. But that's what we, we're trying to get him to do that. Part the Red Sea again. Grow, uh, uh, let me spit on this person's eye and you heal him again. No. He's constantly doing new things. Why do you think that he's doing that? Why do you think it said that he, uh, that he said I'm doing a new thing? Because mm -hmm. people are changing. People, people are, they're starting to see, not changing, but they're starting to be w way more aware of what's real and what's fake than they have been in a long time. And not only that, they're being more vocal about it. Yeah. They're being way the more. Thing, the other thing about replays is you don't. It doesn't require any confidence or faith. You don't have to do anything. Breeds confidence because it doesn't require any faith. That's that's the that's the real reason why Jesus, why God is always trying to do a new thing, always right. leading His people to a new thing. Why we should always have a, a new song on our lips is because question. In, in the status quo, in the tried and true, in that we've been here, done that, we begin to not need faith and belief in God anymore. We don't need him. And it just becomes about us, you know. Right. Um, in, in uh, what was it? What's the, was that in my Corinthians Bible study? So it might be in 8, 9, or 10 in First Corinthians. Um, but it was Paul, and he was talking about um, 
He was talking about how they, well, they, uh, him and the apostles were in this moment where they thought that there was no hope. They, they're like, they, it was hopeless. We were convinced we, that we were going to die. And he goes on and he says, and um, uh, we got to that point so that we would rely completely on God and God rescued us. That is it's like sometimes God right. allows us. Right. And that's again, right. like if this is what can happen to the apostles. Yeah. Like the people who walked and talked with Jesus, the founding fathers of the church, so to speak, like if that can, if that can happen to them because they weren't relying on God, like then of course, and this understanding that God allowed something so drastic and dangerous, actually, yeah, this was probably from my sermon in in the SOS series a couple of weeks ago. Um, So uh, uh, fatal yeah. and hopeless to happen yeah. to them, to break them down. I mean, it's, it really goes back to, to Isaac and Jacob, right? Yep. Um, yep. It, to be to that, the last second where they finally gave up and, and said, there's no way. Yeah. And, and God, we have to completely rely on you. We've been relying on ourselves, but we see that there's no hope in that. And the only chance we have is your sovereign deliverance. And then he comes through. He rescues you. And so he is not about keeping us in any kind of a regular rhythm because right. he understands that in the regular rhythm, in the tried and true, the same old, same old, we don't need there, becomes, there becomes, a, there's no need for him. Mm-hmm. We lose our, our need to believe in him and to, you see it throughout scripture, the Jews and the, they would get comfortable with how things were and then they would fall away from God. Right. And then God would have to bring in an enemy or an right. occupier, or he would have to destroy Jerusalem. I mean, I, I mean, we see God went to some very drastic measures yeah. to teach them to rely on him. I yeah. mean, uh, Joseph, they were in famine and he provided for them. And then they came into Israel and they got comfortable. And then they had to go into 400 years of slavery to get their heads on straight. Like, and then this is, this is the thing where people are like, Oh, the church is being attacked. And like, Guess who's letting the attack happen? God. Why? Because yeah. we've gotten way too comfortable and we don't trust him. We don't have to, we don't have to have faith in him for anything anymore. Right. We're way too right. comfortable. Way too. I love that. That song came to mind. Um, uh, this is the air I breathe. With the chorus says, and I'm desperate for you. And I'm desperate for you. Yeah. That's what, that's where he wants us to always be. And I, I, I realized that when I moved, when we moved from New York to Washington, um, was that I was comfortable here. And I realized my, my relationship with him was just a surface relationship. It wasn't, it wasn't a deep relationship where I was hearing, not only hearing him, hearing his voice, but obeying his voice. Um, and uh, moving to Washington was confirmation that every day I need him. Every day, I need to be developing my relationship with him so that I'm not just hearing him, but I'm obeying him so that I am someone that he can, that can be used by him. Not just like, like we said in the beginning, not just in the church, not just in the building, because we can't really walk out our faith in the building, um, but in everyday real life. Um, And that's what he wants. He wants us to be desperate desperate for him this is the air i breathe your very word living in me i'm desperate for you um yeah. and uh man we we need to get back to 
that type of desperation, God, I need you today. How I, I know exactly the type of person, exactly the type of reaction, the type of responses I would have and I would be if I don't let you lead and guide me today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think even in that, that desperation, mm-hmm. I, I'm realizing even now, as I think about the song, like in the mindset that I sing it in, it's a desperation of like, of want. Yeah. Like, oh, I desperately want more of you. It's this yeah. love, this relationship thing. Like I'm desperate to have more time with my wife, but it's not, we don't think of it in terms of a desperate need. And that's what we see in that passage with Paul. They needed God. They were in a hopeless situation. It wasn't just a desire. I'm I'm desperately desiring to be with you. Kind of love song. I need it. Right. Some kind of you know uh, uh, R and B love song. Right. 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 It's it's actually it's a it's a it's a emergency need. It's an emergency. Right. Yeah, it's like a last hope. This is all going to fall apart. You uh, are. I you can't are make it right if not. Right, right. Yeah. Without, if if you don't come, if you don't breathe, I have no life. I have no salvation. I I need you. Yeah. I yeah. need you. And and that is um, that is the American church, the American gospel, American Christianity does not need jesus anymore oh you know you can say that again we don't need we don't need jesus anymore we because we got everything we're because we think we got the lights and the smoke and the led wall and we got the we got the preachers and we got the bible study and we got our systems down and it's working our discipleship 12-step programs and our evangelism 12-step programs and we got everything figured out Mm -hmm. and yeah there's no desperation for God. There's no, no desperation for him. He's at best an additive. He's at he's, he's at best a supplement. Right, right. He's not he's not the end all be all. Right. We're not desperate. And I think that that may be exactly why he's right. setting things up right now. Uh, uh, socially and uh, you know, with the healthcare thing, pandemic, and with you know, politically across the sphere to make us desperate for him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, you know, one thing I was thinking about is, it, you know, I don't usually, I don't usually talk like this. Uh, so I got that little nugget earlier. And the other, other thing that I was thinking of was um, this idea of like, uh, what makes water like life giving? Yeah. Like what's the difference between, what's the difference between a river or a lake and a hot tub? Right. A river, a river and a lake have a constant flow of, 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 of water, which yeah. allows there to be life. Yeah. If you have a, if you have a puddle or a pond and it becomes stagnant, right? There's no life doesn't grow in there. It becomes a thing of death. Bacteria does. It'd be a bacteria and stuff. That, and what, that what, like that's what a hot tub is, right? Yeah. A hot tub is you fill it up with water and then that water is constantly cycling. The yeah. only way you're able to keep that from becoming just nasty and gross is you got to put a whole bunch of chemicals in it. Yeah. You put a, otherwise, in other words, you have to put a whole bunch of artificial garbage into it, but that also makes it so that nothing living can grow in it. That's right. Right. And that's, that was this uh, picture that guy gave me of this idea of the replay. It's a stagnant, unliving thing. Life can't grow in that. Come on, sir. There's no, there, there's there no flow. There's no yeah. in and out, right? If yeah. you stand in a river, you never get hit with the same water twice. That's right. 
it's always new. It's never the same. And even the lake, the lake is constantly changing as, as rivers and streams flow into it and as rivers and streams flow out of it. It might look the same. Yeah. You might go there year after year on a backpacking trip and it might look the same, but the water is different every single minute. It's changing, it's shifting, there's currents you can't even see, right? And that's this idea of, that's this idea of like the new. God wants us to always be living in the new. That's he awesome. doesn't want us to be living in stagnation. And he, and again, it requires discomfort mm-hmm. and it requires faith in God. And it may even at times put us in the place where we're absolutely desperate for him because yeah. there's I think no that's way his out. goal. I think that's his goal without our, without us having a desperation for him. I don't think he can use us in a way that he has planned to. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, because we would fight. We would fight too hard. We would be like a wild horse. Like, I just want to get on your back and ride you, and we can have a relationship. We would be, we would constantly be bucking and trying to throw him off our back because we don't understand our need. We don't understand yeah. our des- our desperate need for him. Um, and you gotta uh, put a bit in my mouth. You're taking my freedom, man. Sorry, that one was for free. <laughs> <laughs> so the only way revival can come, true revival, and let me read that first definition again, uh, an improvement in the condition or strength of something. I love that. That's a cool definition. I hadn't heard that one before. The strength or condition of something. Improve I mean, it, it, it is. Yeah. There's an opportunity for revival in the church right now. There's an incredible yeah. opportunity for revival in our nation right now. Our country itself, I think, is experiencing a revival of a natural sense, not a spiritual sense, but yeah. in the sense that hopefully I believe we're gonna come on the other side of this uh new and strong. There's gonna be an improved condition. There's gonna be an improved in our nation. Um so yeah, there's there's either revival or the opportunity for revival happening all around us. And we have to recognize that the the enemy is not about revival. So if we're seeing the atmosphere and environment of revival really across the board, either actively happening or the opportunity for it. Yeah. We have to see God in this. Yes. We have to see that God's hand is, is in this, you know, and I was, I was talking to somebody and they were like, they were saying, they were talking about something, you know, we were talking about politics and, you know, the question of has gotten in control and the whole issue, you know, with Trump being elected, you know, by a lot of uh, evangelical Christians and you right. know, was that the will of God or was that us exercising our free will? And then he works through it. And, and we, we, ha- we kind of ended on this thought of like, well, if Trump hadn't been elected president, we probably wouldn't have gotten to the point we are right now. Right. And this, uh, this, the, and specifically talking about the the, the racial uh, right. justice uprising, that may never happen. And these systems and these injustices would have just continued to go on and go on and That's go right. on. Uh, so sometimes it requires something that we don't like or agree with to stir things up. And I think we can all agree that if you know if anything, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, whether you voted for him or not, you can agree that he has definitely been a catalyst for shaking a lot of stuff up. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I think about, you know, uh, uh, you know, Hitler and Nazi Germany, like if, if that hadn't happened, if the Holocaust hadn't happened, the nation, the reestablishment of the nation of Israel wouldn't have happened. 
that came out of World War II. Yep. The Allies took the survivors of the Holocaust and gave them back uh, their you know, uh, ancestral uh, nation, essentially. It, well, it didn't exist at that time. Right, we right. created it as a response to the devastation that happened to the Jewish right. population under German Nazi rule. And so sometimes the, the worst, craziest thing, God uses it to stir things, to shake things to such oh, a degree man. that real change happens that he wanted to happen. And, and we see it throughout scripture. He understands that sometimes we get so stuck in how things are that the only way for real change to happen is for like a significant shaking yeah. to happen, a significant dire circumstance or event to happen. Um, and that's oh. not his fault. That's our fault. Right. And, and again, I don't know that he perpetrates these things, but uh, like we see in Job, he allows the enemy sometimes to do things because the enemy's stupid and doesn't realize what, what, God's, what God's plan is on the backside of his stupidity of what he's going to do. What he do allows you, them to do some of? crazy stuff in the world, and he yeah. brings about his purposes and plans out of that. And so I'm excited to see, but I also, I also want to call and encourage Christians and pastors and leaders, whoever hears this, listens to this, pass it on to people. If you listen to it, uh, uh, let it go viral, whatever, not, not so we can be famous. I could care less, but I think it's important. We have to not miss it because if we miss it, God, it's just going to, something like this is just going to have to continue or get worse if we don't embrace and understand and realize and live into the change. Come on. Create. Yeah. in the life of his children and in the life of the church and through the church in the life of the lost. Yo, there was a lot in here. <laughs> there was a lot in here. Um, and I, I just want to say this before we wrap it up. I think uh, to piggyback on what you said about God not causing it, but being the orchestrator, um, but beautifully turning all of these things into a in, in, into a masterpiece that ultimately brings forth his plan. Um, I think he he created it to be that way because we see it in nature, right? With um, with clams and pearls, uh, oysters and pearls, um, volcanic canals and diamonds. Um, almost everything in nature that's produced that we love and have and hold of value was put through, was produced through a trial, was produced through a, a pressing, was produced through um, high heat. And um, the, the problem is we're not as resilient as a piece of sand. We're not as resilient as a rock. Um, <laughs> and, and we die because of a lot of, uh, a lot of the, 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 the heat, the pressure and the, um, and the, uh, uh, the, the fact that we're targeted and stuff when we step, when we stand out and step up, uh, stand up and, um, God allows these things to happen. And he uses people like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and, um, uh, a lot of other people, uh, Gandhi and mother Teresa uses people to, to swim upstream, so to speak. There's no merit. People will give, other people merit for, but there's no merit in swimming upstream. That's how salmon die because they use all their energy swimming upstream. But we have to fight against the current and the current right now is just saying, 
go with the flow of traffic. Um, especially with the white evangelical church, go with the flow of traffic. No, we cannot go with the flow of traffic. And it's going to, um, it'll produce, it'll produce a lot of people that are, that God is going to use situations that he's going to use. And uh, it'll produce some change in, in this very tense, this very tense time in, 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 in our culture. And um, I, I posted the other day, it's worth fighting for this. Um, it, it's always going to be hard to stand up for what's right, but it's never going to get old. And a lot of times the tendency is to let these, these things kind of pass, you know, in a couple of weeks, somebody's going to be talking about it. No, we, we have to continue to swim upstream because it's worth it. Um, swim against the current because it's worth it. Um, and I, I cannot agree with you more that if we don't take advantage of this current climate, this situation, what God is wanting to use in this revival, we will be clamoring for, continuing to clamor for the replays. And um, we'll miss a lot of people. We'll miss a lot of the harvest. We'll, they'll just, they'll go to other things that are more attractive than, uh, than, than Jesus. And, um, yeah. and, and we can't do that. Where, where can people go? To uh, if they have questions, if they got hate mail, if they got <laughs> if they got topics that they want us to cover, um, different things like that. Yeah, uh, Faith Chair on uh, Facebook. Um, I don't know that there are any other ones. I haven't looked, but uh, if you get confused, it is the black and white white image of a barber's chair, and uh, and you can email us at faithchairpodcast at gmail Again, no, no, the just faith chair podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're always interested in, in how current events or culture or your walk of faith is bringing up questions that maybe uh, you're not finding answers to, and you'd like us to dig into it, address it, um, uh, whatever. Uh, that's kind of, that's what we do. And uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. And so, yeah, if you have, if you have ideas, questions, uh, concerns, if you have responses to anything that we have put out there, uh, anything like that, like we're, we're always open. Um, we, we do our best to, to speak from uh, the heart of God and through the Holy Spirit yeah. and faithful to scripture and proper exegesis and understanding of scripture, right. uh, but we're not infallible and we're not the first to recognize and admit that. And so, you know, if you have corrections, anything like that, if you want to, you want to know how does our stance jive with, you know, this scripture or that scripture that you've read yeah. or, or whatnot, we'd love to get in those conversations. It may not have to be a podcast, but we still love to engage in conversation with you. Um, this, this entire podcast exists, um, just to bring understanding and, and again, to serve that scripture that says that our job, Tommy and mine, as well as all of your pastors and leaders, our role is to train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's right. And, and that's our goal in this. So that's right. dialogue, conversation, instruction, learning together, um, teaching each other is all a part of that equation. Right. And um, yeah, so we'd love to hear from you. Bro, this was dope. I'm I'm on to uh, visiting. We're doing a lot of visiting. <laughs> yeah, a lot of <laughs> mask visiting, masked visiting. Um, but um, this was dope. I cannot wait for this to come out on Monday. Um, 
And the last one, I I want to. I'm waiting to hear back from people on uh, episode 36 because that was crazy too. Yeah. But uh, but brother, love you guys, and I'll see you next Friday. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your time out there and safe travels, bro. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to ask and answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. But until then, we'll see you guys next time here on The The Face Face Chair. Chair.